Do you shop on Amazon.com? Of course you do. You can now support the Midwest Podcast Network while doing so. Go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com and a very small percentage of your purchase will go towards making our network and its content even better. That's Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com. Bookmark it today. Welcome to the Midwest Film Nerds Podcast. I'm Alex. I'm Tim. Oh, I'm Nick. Today we're going to be talking about the summer movie wager. We've got a little bit of feedback. We're going to do some film news. Then finally we're going to do a full review of Brad Bird's Tomorrowland. But before we get to that feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can write to us about the show or the things that we talk about. Uh, at MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. You can find us there. Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook, Vine, and iTunes. And... Uh, MidwestFilmNerds.com has all of our previous 128 episodes plus some bonus episodes as well with full show notes so you can skip over the spoiler, Terry. And as always, go to Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com to do your Amazon shopping and we will receive a small percentage of your purchase to no extra cost to you. So please use that. So, summer movie wager. This week, we have a top seven films because only seven films have been released in the time period that I specified. So, number one, Surprise, surprise, it's Avengers with 1,181,000,000. Still lower than Furious 7 at the moment. Furious um. 7's at like 1.4 billion, so that's pretty crazy. Uh, Mad Max is number two with 219 million. Pitch Perfect is number three with 187 million. Tomorrowland is number four with 42 million. Hot Pursuit is number five with 31 million. Poltergeist is number six with 22 million. And The D Train. Starring Jack Black and James Marsden <laughs> is seventh place with $663,000. Okay. It looked kind of funny, that movie. It's a little bit of a flop. Oh, uh, was it even, I didn't even know it. I think it was a wide release. Was it a wide release? Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was. Well, they did a fine job yeah. of marketing it. Yeah. It was one of the bold <laughs> ones on uh, Box Office Mojo, so it should have been a wide release. Okay. But, you know, it went up against that uh, Hot Pursuit, so... Mm. Strong competition. Yeah. <laughs> but, Highly uh, contested weekend. Yes. San Andreas is out this upcoming weekend. This weekend was apparently pretty low. Like Tomorrowland got and took first place on what is one of the slowest um Memorial Day weekends that we've had in the in the past few years. So I don't know. I guess people weren't too hot on it. But you can figure out what we uh, thought of it in just a little bit mm-hmm. when we talk about it. Stick tuned. Yeah. Uh, next up, we've got some feedback from Jenna on Twitter. She said, love the Daredevil podcast, especially Willie's Easter eggs. Hearing this made me excited for the future shows. Yeah, I don't know. That's great. I'm glad. I'm more excited about the shows than I am about the movies. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, and the things like the Easter eggs that she's talking about, like all the little connections to future Marvel Netflix properties that they kind of sewn in there. Mm -hmm. It was pretty sweet. So. Nice. There's our feedback for this week. As always, find us on Twitter, or you can also write to feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com. Now on to film news. Story number one, Kerry Fukunaga is no longer it. Well, he wasn't going to play it, Tag. but he was... He's not it. Yes. <laughs> uh, that was that was the joke I was trying to make. But... Got it. 
Uh, <laughs> it sounded like there were some major creative differences. Kerry Fukunaga wanted to make two movies. He wanted to do one that was like while the kids are younger and one that was while the kids are older. And uh, the studio, I think New Line, was basically just like, no, we want one movie. We want it more commercial. We want all this stuff. Not to mention that Poltergeist kind of flopped this weekend. And uh, overall, things are softening on the on the horror remake genre, I suppose. Um, so what do you think, Nick? What do you think about this? Um, predominantly, I'm excited about it happening, actually, because he can, now get, he can work he, on yes, the alienist. Now he can get to the alienist, which is really what he should be doing. <laughs> but on the other hand, like, I'm not... Okay, he's he's very talented, and... I know he'll do a really great job with the alienist because of what he did with true detective. Mm -hmm. And have we talked about the alienist yet on this, on the podcast? I think you've talked about it like a little bit. Yeah. Tim, Tim is unaware. So please. Okay. Well, for any other listeners, the alienist is a book that I think was written in like 97 or something. And it's, it's a story of a, it's about a serial killer, a team of people trying to track down the serial killer in like 1897, New York. And there are a couple of real life historical figures that are actually characters in the book, like Theodore, most most notably uh, Theodore Roosevelt. And I'm I'm a pretty big history buff, and I really like it for that aspect too. That it's it's got a lot of actual history written into it, and the author Caleb Carr is a, is a really into history too. So uh, it's pretty cool to read from that perspective. But it's written like a movie, like it reads very much like a movie. And he kind of wrote it that way. And now, finally, there uh, is it HBO or show? I'm not sure. I'll oh, it's going to be a TV series. Yeah, someone's okay. someone's trying to get it. They're basically doing the True Detective with it, where Kerry Fukunaga is going to going to direct the whole the whole shebang. And that's awesome. It's a really cool story. I just reread the book for like probably the eighth time when they uh, announced this news, and it's it still holds up. It's so good. Anyway, he's perfect for that. So I, I was not at all worried about that. I was kind of excited to see him do a, something like it. Um, and I think he probably would have been really good for it and it would have been good, <laughs> but I'm more disappointed by hearing what the studio wants from it. Yeah. They want like a very mainstream, small bite sized version of it. And he wants to make it cause it's a huge book. It, and, yeah, it's like 900 pages. Yeah. And it? he wants yeah. to split it up into the logical, it, kind of like even the miniseries, the Tim, the Tim Curry, uh, like two parter it's two parts. Yeah. Which is kind of the way it should be. So I think Fukunaga had the right plan. And it sounded like he, he said he wanted to make it a little more like artful, I think. Yeah. Like he he said sp- like The Shining, Stanley Kubrick's The Shining. I which think. sounds really cool because <laughs> the, the psychological horrors of that are, are definitely pretty terrifying. So his, his vision for it sounded cool. It's disappointing that the studio goes, all right, keep an eye on the, on the barometer. Oh, a crappy phoned in remake bombed oh shit let's make that instead of what he wants to make because clearly that'll work out <laughs> dumb <laughs> yeah i don't know if it if there's an actual tv site or where where it's actually announced but it looks like it's going to be like a like an event series it's going to be like a here's 13 episodes and that's it so it's not going to carry on it's no no it shouldn't no yeah, yeah it, it so. should be one season and then if if they want, they can make something out of the sequel, which is also really good and even bigger. Then what do you think about it? I'm like you, what you the, what you describe sounds more interesting. So I like it. This is <laughs> great. I like it. Keep it going. Uh, it's been so long since I read the book. Um, it's been forever since I watched the uh, 
watch the uh, miniseries too. So I, I don't really have any. I like the book. I liked the uh, I liked the first it, but I don't really have any attachment to this. Um, I, That's fair. It, from what it sounds like, yeah, it sounds like I would like to see his version of it, but I can live without it. Like, yeah, I'm not real devastated either way. I've never seen it, mm. so I don't have too much of a horse in this race. Other than uh, other than I'm more excited for him to bring to adapt something new than to go and remake something that's already kind of been on on tv and that kind of that's thing, true so. it it deserves another i think of of all the, the horror things they're kind of reinvigorating that would be kind of cool because it hasn't really been a movie yet yeah like it's very the the old one is very tv like it feels tv that's the thing yeah and i'm not sure how well it ages at the time when i saw it when i was a kid it was oh yeah horrifying yeah. <laughs> yeah and tim curry's performance i'm sure is still amazing and terrifying that's all yeah it's tim curry but oh, they, I think they also were clashing over the guy that was cast as Pennywise. He's like a younger guy. Oh, it's mm. the kid from uh, We're the Millers and um, in like the Maze Runner or one of those. Mm-hmm. He's in mm. or Divergent mm-hmm. or something. He's in something. Yeah. Anyway, he's a younger guy and he was cast as Pennywise. And I think I, I had read that the studio really wasn't wild about that. And I would not be too shocked if he ends up departing the project as well. Yeah, departing. I'm the sure project. they'll pressure him out of it. Yes. Yeah, uh, cast, looks, a, cast a star. It looks like TNT is the one who ordered the alienist. So that's cool, I guess. Yeah, let's see. Maybe anyway, that's exciting. If anybody likes reading, who's listening to this, I highly recommend it. It's a pretty quick read. Is um Alex? Is that a, is that book something that would <laughs> a bit better on HBO or is TNT fine for it? Is it? Oh, it's pretty bloody. Like okay. the the murders are so much. The murders now, are pretty yeah. grisly. But I think even if they were on HBO, if they were like, yeah, we can we can do it as detailed as it is in the books, it would be like kind of too much. Like okay. to read it is one thing, but to see it, you'd probably be like, this is just a little bit the like saw territory at that point. The murders don't have to be as that grotesque. The Walking Dead gets away with a lot. Do you feel like yeah. that level would be yeah, satisfactory? Yeah. yeah, totally. I mean, the, what makes the book so good is not the, right. the gore really doesn't factor that much into it. Okay. It's I mean, it definitely. Talks a lot about like the squalor which most people lived in in like late nineteenth century New York, and that that's pretty interesting to read. Uh, it, but it's more about how good the characters are and okay. and how cool it is watching like modern, like looking back on it, it seems so primitive like the science to us. But watching them kind of start to use the modern methods is really neat. All right, it's yeah. Great read. Anyway. I ordered the audiobook, and I have it, so I'll listen to it. Yeah, you'll have to give it a listen. Yeah. It's, uh, it's not terribly long. I think I reread it in like three or four days. Okay. Yeah, I can look at what the what the running time on the. But anyway, highly recommend it. And then if anybody reads it and enjoys it, the sequel is called The Angel of Darkness, and it's it's longer and it's a it's a bigger story, but it's really really good as well. Yeah, we're looking at twenty hours for the audiobook, so not bad. Nah. All right. Next up on the docket, Roger Deakins is reteaming with Denis Villeneuve for. Blade Runner 2. Tim, what do you think? Oh, it's good. I mean, it's going to look really good. <laughs> I mean, I've, my worries with this aren't the talent. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's just, you get burned before with <laughs> movies. Ridley's on such a roll lately, though. Oh, well. <laughs> are we going to talk Runaway about train, the, Are we going to talk about the counselor again? <laughs> I'm, d- I'm done. Were you on the counselor? No, episode? I wasn't. I I'm really bummed I wasn't. He no. watched it way later. I watched it on DVD way later, 
and it was like it's like a Friday night at like two in the morning, and I just remember I was like, "This is depressing. This is so good." <laughs> I feel like we should convince Gojo to watch it again, which would never happen no. in a million years. Yeah, then, it's hard to get him to watch movies. Period. Yeah. Let alone ones he's already watched and, and that he didn't like at that. Uh, you did, did you actually like it? I liked it a lot. Okay, I I, I liked it too. And yeah. my, my friend Ryan kind of liked it also. So there, there's at least three of Maybe us. Maybe you three could, could talk we'll talk about, about it. it. I, I, you I, could I, have the antithetical <laughs> episode of our actual review, and that would be good. Yeah, I feel bad because I think I let you guys drag my opinion of it down a little <laughs> bit. I didn't stay true to my colors, and I actually kind of liked it. Yeah. So. We might go back and listen. I think, I, think I, I think I more applauded than like really liked. Right, it. it's not a yeah. Like is such a weird term for that movie because it's just, but it's something I found really interesting and just. Well, and I should I, I like and just dark. A lot of it's hilarious. Like hilarious. It's so dark and Ridley's not funny. directing, so I should probably. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's important. Not, yeah, that's that's good to note because Denise directing and Ridley is executive producing. And Hampton Fancher's writing, so it's God. That's a good name. Yeah, Hampton right? Fancher. Yeah, it's like Hampton Roth from uh, Kevin Klein's character from Definitely Maybe. But oh, good one. I was thinking Hampton the Pig from Tiny Toons. There you go. Yeah. But no, I I think it it'll be interesting. I don't know what we're gonna get out of it. I suppose we can only so many times be like Blade Runner Two is happening. Yeah, it might be good. Maybe not. Okay, Blade Runner Two is happening. <laughs> but uh, Nick, how do you feel about Roger Deakins on the project? Uh, I think it's it's probably good. I mean, I think that the sequence in Skyfall, the the fight in front of like the big Blade Runner TDK mm-hmm. sign was basically Blade Runner. So <laughs> that was his yeah. audition. Yeah, that was cool. Yeah, he's just submitted that. Here's, here's my reel. It's just a chapter from a DVD cut out using like iMovie. Um, yeah, I think it's good. I think we're we're seeing a a, a fairly commercial push from Roger Deakins lately. It's interesting. But I think his last few, there's this big like Roger Deakins stroke fest that's really kicked up lately. There's Mm -hmm. all these people are just like fan wanking over Roger Deakins, which the man's immensely talented. But they're doing it for all the wrong movies. And I hope it doesn't encourage him to just kind of be like, eh, whatever. Because like Skyfall is not by no means his best work. And yet everyone's like, oh my God, it's the most gorgeous movie I've ever seen. I'm like, no. No, he did like all the Coen Brothers movies. Yeah, which are infinitely better. And also I'm not. Prisoners as well. I'm not convinced oh, he really a gives a shit or b really is amazing at shooting digital because Skyfall was digital and I think that that really made a huge difference in his look. Like I think they should shoot Blade Runner two on film. I'm not sure how possible that even is anymore, but it probably is. I feel like Ridley could make it happen. They should because he the man excels at that. Yeah. But either way, it'll be a cool looking movie. I mean, at this point. They probably hand out textbooks that say how to shoot movies like Blade Runner. It's like, okay, rain machine, check. Intense backlights, check. Blimp flying overhead with more lights on it, check. Okay, we've made Blade Runner. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I'm excited for it. I I think Deacons is a good addition. Yeah, they're, they're definitely throwing quite a bit at it. Yeah. So... Hopefully that means it's because it's worth doing. Yeah, is there Ryan Gosling in it too, or was that was that just a that's still like rumor? Yeah. we haven't really gotten any. Okay. Like the only thing we know is that Harrison Ford's involved. Okay, okay, but all right. Uh, finally, I've got a couple more news bits. Oh, if you want. all right, I've yeah, got the, please just hit. But we we can talk about this. Oh, okay, hot off the press. Yeah, uh, it appears that Hulk Hogan has discussed being the villain in the next Expendables with. Uh, what's his name? 
Sylvester Stallone. Sylvester Stallone. They're wow. buddies. Because they go back to Rocky uh, Three. There you go. Yep. Uh, Thunderlips returneth. <laughs> Both of you are, are fans of Expendables films at some point in the series. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really good way to phrase it. <laughs> I still haven't seen three, actually. No. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. And I really, well, that was the one I was like really excited for. I think, yeah. I think you'd like it. It's got the most Kelsey Grammer, obviously. <laughs> it's the only one with Yeah, Kelsey and it Grammer. has all the guys I was excited for, and everyone else is kind of like, huh? Yeah, I would. I mean, I think it would be worth a rewatch. I, out of the two that we reviewed in that episode, which was Expendables three and TMNT. Oh, that's right. We were, we doubled. It. Yeah, we doubled yeah. it up because uh, uh, the Great Flood of twenty fourteen. Um, reprised outside right now. I I think I might. I would almost rewatch that one. Like, it'd be okay to watch it again, but I don't know if. Uh, it would be a good movie if you're going to rewatch it. Just throw it on exactly while you're doing other do things. other stuff, yeah. but. Yeah. You should check it out. I think I think it'd be fun to watch with a group. I still think two. Well, I've never seen one. Two is my favorite. Okay, but Tim, would it, out of one, two, and three, three. You think three? I like th- three is the most. To me, it was the most alone of them because it had the most alone jokes, okay. and I think I covered it in the podcast. But they're the jokes where you go, "Was that a joke, <laughs> Sylvester?" Because it wasn't that funny. <laughs> yeah. Like they're kind of like dad jokes, <laughs> but make less sense. And then there was—I don't want to spoil it, but I, I want people to watch it because there is a there is a moment where Stallone and Kelsey Grammer have like a uh, fashion show. They just wear yes. they just wear jackets, like different yes. like old school jackets, and With, a like montage. sequins on them. Yeah, um, one was like a yeah, like a hunting. Jacket. I remember you talking about that on the, on the episode. <laughs> it's my favorite part of the movie. There's also Mr. and Mr. Trench as well. Yes. So. Mr. Oh, oh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, so go go check out Expendables three. But what do we th- what do we think about Hulk Hogan maybe being in Expendables for being the villain in Expendables four? Oh, he wants to be the villain. That's what that's what the. Ooh. Yeah. Well. Hulk Hogan movies haven't really turned out well. He's proven he's a great hero in Suburban Commando. Yeah, Suburban Commando. <laughs> Mr. Nanny. We had a Suburban Commando reference yesterday, also. <laughs> two days in a row. Suburban Commando's just in the Good ether work, right now. Good work, guys. Good work. <laughs> he could also get, because Tiny Lister, he was in No Holds Barred with Tiny Lister, and Tiny Lister hasn't been in an uh, Expendables movie, and he seems like a nice fit. So. I mean, it basically, this isn't really news. Hulk Hogan just kind of said he'd like to be in an Expendables movie. Which yeah. <laughs> said, said that he chatted at one point with Stallone. Yeah, and that sounds like Stallone was humoring him. Yeah. Kind of, so. I feel like he'd be, like, to me, if if, if he was going to be, quote-unquote, the villain, I think he would be, like, the muscle, and somebody else should be, like, a string puller. Right. Yes, because the Expendables need those puppet <laughs> masters who work with their brains. <laughs> Operate behind the scenes. I, I don't know. The I Steve mean, Austin to Eric Roberts in part yeah, one, sure. if I recall. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, I don't know. I didn't see I didn't see number one. Number yeah. one sucks. Don't, getting, don't yeah, bother, that's why yeah, I skipped it because everybody was like excited dumb. for it. Was like, they, cut out, they cut out the best part of the movie that was in the trailer with Eric Roberts shouting, I own you. <laughs> and then it, it's not in the movie. <laughs> well, they had to make room for that 15-minute Mickey Rourke monologue. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, you gods, man. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, if if Hulk Hogan wants to be in it, that's fine. But I, Alex, your your wishes for the villain are better. Claude, Claude Villain yes. should have happened. How I, how has it not? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why that didn't happen for three. Really, it should have. I mean, but, maybe maybe they needed a break between Van Damme appearances. Maybe <laughs> Van Damme's got a busy schedule. There's got to be there's got to <laughs> be guys that are better suited to it than Hulk Hogan, though. Like, where's yeah. Mark Descascos? And that's the thing. Or we did get Gary Daniels in the first one, though. 
Yeah, we did. So is, that's important. Was has Dave Bautista was he in three? No, he was not. And that's the thing with Hulk is I don't even like I watch Hulk and he can barely move yeah. right now and he's not really intimidating. So <laughs> So maybe he's the puppet master. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Sits in the wheelchair like <laughs> Dr. Claw. Honestly, at this point I think if they make a fourth, I don't think it's gonna get theatrically theatrically released anyway. So they should just go embrace it and go just full embrace direct to DVD and go yeah. <laughs> One day, if if you guys and listeners are lucky, and Willie and I are ever on the podcast together again, <laughs> we can tell you about our original script called DTV Apocalypse, which stood for Direct to Video Apocalypse, and. We wrote this in like 2007, maybe 2006, like when Expendables was just a twinkle in Stallone's eye. Right. And it was so awesome. And it had all these guys and they were like the only people that could save the world. It was so good. <laughs> and Dean Cain was one of the main characters. Oh. And he has yet to be in this one. So Expendables 3 made $206 million worldwide. Okay. Which, I mean, isn't bad. I think it would still probably come out. It's less than two made, which is $305 million, Yeah. But you know, I, so it was probably still profitable. I would think so. Yeah, like I mean, you know, I don't. They cut the budget on that one too, if I recall. And yeah, yeah, because it's. I mean, it made well. It made it only made forty million domestic, so maybe not. Maybe not. I don't think advertising on Spike TV is real expensive. So. <laughs> <laughs> I think their, their advertising budget was fine. <laughs> Uh, you had a few other stories. No, no. Okay, we're some late, late breaking, late news. breaking news. Robert Rodriguez is going to direct a Johnny, Johnny Quest, Quest film. Yeah, I thought Ooh. about putting this on. Yeah, the that's awesome. Isn't right, I kind of like that. And I have completely. I haven't turned on Robert Rodriguez, but I haven't liked much he's put out. I've tuned out. Yeah, I, that's the thing is I I don't even pay attention to him anymore. Yeah, but I think this is kind of a good fit for him because he does he does like the Spy Kids movies and he does movies like I think I, I'm kind of excited for this. As long as he can make it and not have to have some ridiculous gimmick involved, like 3D or like, right. oh, I'm going to rotoscope all the kids and the adults will be real or something <laughs> like that. Like, just make a Clearly sweet Johnny Clearly it'll be 4D movie. with smells from yes. the curry that Haji's <laughs> cooking. I don't know. Was say. that racist? I'm sorry, everybody. No, it's his name. <laughs> it's an old, I know it's It's an name. old cartoon, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Oh man! How do you yeah, bandit? Uh, oh, they're gonna get a bandit. Can I get George Clooney as Race Bannon? Yes. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Can we get that? That's amazing. Yeah. Well, Clooney and Rodriguez—do they have a history together? What if it was Clooney so. uh, from Dust Till Dawn? Oh my God! From Dust Till Dawn reunion. <laughs> what if it was Clooney as Bannon and like Tarantino as Doctor Quest? <laughs> <laughs> No, I was never. Thinking, I was no. thinking Brian Cranston as Doctor Quest, but oh, I like that. Isn't that sweet? I like that. I do. Yeah, like and then that. Ryan Gosling as Johnny. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just so excited for the Bandit character poster. Yeah. It's gonna come out. The little dog. <laughs> I will buy that. <laughs> oh man, Johnny Quest was so good. I I used to watch like John, like the 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 newer one the Johnny Quest 2000 yeah, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. I think it was the Johnny Quest Adventures yes yeah and it was still really good it yeah. was awesome. I mean both the Hanna Barbera one was really good too yeah not oh, to mention man. that the first episode of Harvey Birdman is uh, Race Bannon fighting uh, Doctor Quest for custody of Johnny <laughs> oh my god that's horrible <laughs> it's so good there's a uh, if you guys have never seen the Venture Brothers I highly recommend it but it draws from like all their the, yeah. the two creators, their pop culture inspirations. 
And there's basically Race Bannon's basically all but named in it, and so is Johnny. I think Johnny Quest, they actually, his name's like Johnny Danger or something, but he has like a black turtleneck and he's a heroin addict because <laughs> his father didn't raise him right. And it's it's so twisted, but absolutely hilarious. It's really funny. That's awesome. All yeah. right. Well, that, that's good news. What else is there? You said you had more. Mm, that was really all that caught my eye, I think. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a In the whole Twitter lot sphere, there's nothing yeah. else going on. Nothing. Nothing much, but that caught my eye because I think it's kind of a good fit. That is great news. That's better than Hulk Hogan saying yeah. he wants to be in Expendables <laughs> 4. Uh, Vincent, Vincent D'Onofrio joined the Chips movie as a villain. <laughs> They're making a Chips movie. Yeah, I know. That was the bigger piece of news from this one. Da- Dax Shepard is directing. <laughs> oh, my God. Dax Shepard is directing and starring alongside Michael Pena. So I don't oh, know. Oh, wait. It's... The Chips movie? Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Pena is Punch? They're going to release this in theaters. <laughs> I, I don't know. It's, st- it's so weird. Some of these, like, at some point, there's an expiration date on stuff that you can remake for the big screen, honestly. And I don't know who they're thinking they're going to get We're for well it. beyond it at this point. Yeah, it was kind of like. like even, I feel like even the people who like chips don't care anymore. That was the thing. My, I remember my dad used to watch Dark Shadows all the time. <laughs> and then the Dark Shadows movie came out. And he goes, oh, they're making a Dark Shadows movie. And he never, he's never seen it. And <laughs> he just doesn't. Like, That's what my mom did, too. They're yeah, the exact same. It, it, at a certain point, like, you're reaching a target audience that's not going to go to the theater. <laughs> and then we'll forget your movie exists. <laughs> Until it's on HBO, like, yes. 10 years down the line. And that's kind of how I feel with the Chips movie at this point. Like, I don't... <laughs> it is really weird. Yeah. That's, I mean, Dax Shepard directing, I don't know. Why I don't, don't they just make a, an original buddy cop movie? It doesn't need to be called Chips. Yeah. Because they're probably going to try and go really 20, 21 Jump Street. They think it's going to be like 22 it. Jump Street, oh, yeah. God, that movie, as ingenious as it was, has it started a new trend? Yeah. Possibly. I mean, anything that makes money starts a trend in Hollywood, <laughs> so. True that. All right, I think that's it for the film news section. <laughs> and then on a high note. It got really weird. <laughs> Benny D'Onofrio and Chips. What's going on? Man, his career is just getting hilarious. <laughs> I saw him in the Jurassic World trailer and just went, that's literally all I did was point it at the screen. And I was like, oh. And I couldn't say it. And Gojo was like, oh, that's cool. And I was like, I, I, yeah, I guess. But it's really funny. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. Vincent D'Onofrio. I, I, like him getting cast in Daredevil was like... <clears throat> that was a coup. Yeah. but When are we getting The Cell 2? They probably already made that, actually, didn't they? The Cell 2? Uh, I don't think so. What was the last movie that guy made? Who? Um, the director of The Cell. Carson? Carson. Was it uh, The Fall? Mirror, Mirror. Oh, that's right. <laughs> he made Mirror, Mirror. Oh, yeah, soon. <laughs> Okay, so on to our review of Tomorrowland. <laughs> Fine. Brad Bird's Tomorrowland. Uh, the IMDb synopsis is bound by a shared destiny. A teen bursting with scientific curiosity and a former boy genius inventor embark on a mission to unearth secrets of a place somewhere in time and space that exists in their collective memory. Uh, this movie stars George Clooney, Britt Robertson, Hugh Laurie, Raffi Cassidy, Tim McGraw, Catherine Hahn, Keegan Michael Key, and many other people. Um, so I think this was one that was on a few of our most anticipated lists. I know it was on mine. I think it was on Nick's. Definitely. Um, I don't mm, think no, it wasn't was on, on Tim's. I, I'm not sure if it was on Willie's or not, but, okay. uh, coming off of 
Mission Impossible Ghost, Ghost Protocol, right? That was his last movie. I think so, yeah. Like everybody was kind of excited to see where Brad Bird was moving. And Was that his first live action? That was, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, everybody was excited. Tomorrowland was kind of, it's not it's original. It was based on the Disney area of their park or, or concept, I suppose. And people were like, well, this is something new and it's science fiction. It's Brad Bird. Damon Lindelof was kind of attached to it well before Brad Bird got on. I think it was called 1954 or something like that. Mm, I remember that the day. Now. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Tim, how'd you feel about Ghost Protocol? Did you see it? I liked um, Ghost Protocol might be my favorite of the Mission Impossible movies. I I actually, I I like most of the Mission Impossible movies. Two is not very good. But I like, the the Palmas is still really fun, the first one. Um, So I like that. I like, oh, um, Iron Giant. He did Iron Giant, right? Iron Giant Giant is one of my favorite. Totally. Animated movies. It's wonderful. It's really, really good. Absolutely. And I, I like the Rick Incredibles in uh, Ratatouille. He was Ratatouille, right? Yes. Okay. And I, I like those enough. I, I, they're not my favorite, but I like Brad Bird overall. Okay. So. Nick, what do you think about Brad Bird? Uh, he's pretty good. Okay. Ghost Protocol, I enjoyed quite a bit. It's probably my favorite Mission Impossible as well, if at least not the most rewatchable. Definitely one you can just throw on and, and watch it. Uh, Incredibles is good. I don't think it needs a sequel. Ratatouille is good. Uh, also doesn't need a sequel. No, not necessarily. <laughs> Iron Giant is really good. It does need a Blu-ray release because yeah. it hasn't yes. happened yet. So <laughs> what the hell? Get on it. Um, yeah, he's he's talented. I was really looking forward to seeing what he would do in the live action realm because Ghost Protocol was was very well made. All right. Uh, I suppose we'd move on to Tomorrowland. Tim, what, what do you, you think? think of? What do you think? Of I Brad like Brad Bird quite a bit. All of the movies that he's done have been ones that I've enjoyed. So I, I was eagerly anticipating this movie, and um, although I was like, I remember in 2012, Ghost when Bros, Ghost Protocol came out. That was also when John Carter came out. He had both Andrew Stanton and Brad Bird. That's right. Kind of stepping out of the Pixar world and the animated world into live action films and and you know john carter wasn't received particularly well which is sad to me and i'd rather have andrew stanton going on to do more john carter than <laughs> brad bird going on to do other but uh, i don't know what's That's andrew stanton doing next you know? nothing nothing he's been exiled from hollywood no. because he made john carter oh right it's a bit much I, yeah. yeah i don't know we'll see i think no i think he's working on finding dory okay i think okay good well that might be he'll true. Make some money he's actually back. directing Finding Dory. He's re- directing Finding Dory. Okay. okay. Well, then he'll recoup some of that John Carter money. Yeah. 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 Such a shame. What a shame. Great movie. But anyway, Tim, what did you think of Tomorrowland? Um, nah, I didn't really like it. <laughs> I, I never, I never really. Uh, it's not Blade too good. I'll tell you that. No, it's not. I didn't. I never really. Was upset that I was at the theater, yeah, watching it. But it just it never ever kicked in <laughs> to any sort of gear other than first. <laughs> I mean, at the end of it, I just went, "Wow, he should have just Brad Bird or Damon Lindelof, whoever wrote it, should have just wrote an article for the New Yorker, <laughs> like saying this exact same stuff." Op ed, an op ed for the New Yorker, <laughs> just saying, like, "Remember when we used to dream?" <laughs> and then. <laughs> A TV show I did this a couple weeks ago called Mad Men. Uh, yes. Yes. And 
this is part of my problem with the movie and this is just kind of, this may be more of a me problem but part of the reason I got hooked on Mad Men and I love it so much is because it everybody has this idealized version of the 50s and the 60s at a certain time period and you you just kind of forget that the people were dicks then too <laughs> <laughs> and this bothered me that whole time yeah. because it's it's such a false to me idea of around that time of people's vision of the future and be like it's not realistic it's nice and it's sweet but like a lot it's of those... very naive yeah. <laughs> and a lot of it's so basic to yeah. like and the movie goes at one point it goes i can't believe we have an obesity problem and everybody's starving. Like, okay, that's like, that's like a, that's like an eighth grade line. <laughs> like, you figure that out then and it sucks. But, and the problem I had with this movie is it goes, well, what are we going to do about it? So it raises the question of, it kind of smugly goes, well, we got to do something about it. And then it just goes, what are we going to do about it? And then it never really, I hope it all gets better. <laughs> it never really answers it, except yeah. they just start picking random people to yeah. help. I, so that, I guess, I was I was a little annoyed at times, but then I I was never engaged enough to even care. <laughs> get mad at it, honestly. I, it saps George Clooney of a lot of his charm, I think, too. Um, <laughs> he's uh, he's really miscast in this. Yeah. Um, and there's some weird stuff going on with, with him and him and a younger girl. <laughs> like it, it, I I wasn't the only one that. It's like, what? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's different. Um the the younger actresses are both good. Mm-hmm. I thought they were fine. Um there were a couple the Keegan Michael Key and Catherine Hahn. Catherine Hahn stuff is my favorite part of the movie. Yeah. It was that was where I went, Oh, this is kind of fun. Yeah. And it just kind of I mean, it's a Damon Lindelof movie and they all seem to kind of have the same problems. All of them. I mean they're stuck in neutral for a while and he never hits it. He never hits the ending at all. So, all right, Nick, your thoughts on Tomorrowland. I agree with Tim. Yeah. I think it's the most spectacularly boring movie I've seen in theaters since kick-ass two <laughs> and had the row of people turned and been like, do you guys want to go? I would have said yes, which is insanely rare. You don't know how rare that is. Uh, Damon Lindelof, writer of such gems as <laughs> Cowboys and Aliens, Prometheus, Star Trek Into Darkness, and then Phineas and Ferb, and then Tomorrowland. Now, the only one I'm a little confused by is World War Z, but I think he was one of the initial writers that made it. There were 40 it. writers on that movie. He was one of the ones that made, a, that made a shit movie, and then Drew Goddard stepped in and fixed it. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, that was Drew so, Goddard, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. No, uh, okay. So Damon Lindelof... This has been well documented, but you have little to no talent. <laughs> Unless you're surrounded by people far more talented that can make you better. Stop. <laughs> Willie has spoken at length about this, not on the podcast, unfortunately, but it's really hilarious. <laughs> Damon Lenoff also is guilty of, my, in my opinion, the number one sin of being a celebrity, and that's getting into huge temper tantrums on the internet and putting them out there for the world to read. Ridiculous. Just yeah, cut young kids go back and check out when he was still on Twitter. It was really funny. Just, just <laughs> ridiculous. And it makes sense that he writes this movie like a child because <laughs> I think he is. There's so much just pitiful dialogue in this movie where I felt bad that George Clooney had to read it. 
Was, he could be sitting in his villa in Italy right now with his smoking hot wife having a bottle of like thousand year old wine. Checking out what his satellites are doing. Yes. And instead <laughs> he's got to say lines like like Tim is describing. But just fourth grade screenwriters write. And Hugh Laurie too. God, you have two really gifted yeah. actors and they have to spout this crap. I mean, Hugh Laurie has the worst monologue in this movie that... <sighs> <laughs> so, all right, we're, I'm getting way too nitty-gritty. I apologize. I'm just immensely disappointed by this movie. It's, it has no focus. It has, like, five different subplots. I'm not sure who the main character is because the movie's set up, like, here's your main character. I was like, cool. And then it's like, nope, nope. Start over movie. Here's your new main character. Just what the hell? That's kind of a Lindelof trademark, too. Because all those movies, I've seen, what's bad is I've seen all of those movies. That sentence sentence is like, yeah, that's another signature telltale sign of black mold he got there. (laughs) It's just, those are horrible things to be known for. And it's, it's not even cool. Like, I didn't, I never got excited during the movie. I never was like awe-inspired or thought, what a terrific vision of the future. It, It felt... Even like the heavy, the CG heavy segments felt cheap and just like hollow. hollow. Yeah, nothing interesting in the design, and nothing like like John Carter. Say what you will. If you don't like the movie, that's cool. You're wrong, but it's cool. <laughs> but the design in that movie is amazing and interesting and different. And same with Tron Legacy. I know a lot of people that don't like that movie, and that's fine. But the design, at least, you have to applaud. Or like Oblivion, if it kind of fell short, at least had an interesting look. Mm-hmm. Nothing in this movie really stands out. I was like, I feel like I should just be watching The Rocketeer or something. I do. Oh, main, I would, oh no! I do maintain. Oh, okay. I do love the rocket. No, I kept thinking of. You know what I kept thinking of? I, I kept thinking of Escape to Witch Mountain. Like during this, I'm like, this is like Ooh, the same thing as the rocks Escape to Witch Mountain. Like it's kind Here's of thing. It's like it looks the same, and that was what was most disappointing and weird to me. I think if this movie had been made under Pixar with Brad Bird directing, it would have been completely successful. And it had it had a better writer attached, and and Damon Lindelof, I'll give him this. I think he's probably the George, the the George Lucas of writers. He's probably got really good ideas. He just needs somebody else to. He needs someone else to actually do the words. Yeah. But he, if this had been a movie that was written by a couple of the guys over the Pixar Brain Trust, directed by Brad Bird, and then you could have these animated characters, and I would have bought the like ugh, I don't even want to say the word love story, but the 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 tension between child not. Yeah. Guys, she was an android, all right? Okay. <laughs> Between child robot and grown man George Clooney. In an animated movie, it might have been kind of sweet. And in this, it was just weird. <laughs> and it really bothered me. It's just, it's not, it's not good. Spoiler alert. Yeah. It's, I, I, don't know if it's clear, I don't know if it's clear from the trailers or not because I didn't watch it. I don't think so. I may have liked this movie better had I watched the trailers, though, because I had something beautiful built up in my mind and mysterious and interesting. And I was bored like five minutes in and never recovered. So it's it's a big it's a fart in a glove as Willie would say. <laughs> Unfortunately, because it has a lot of good it has good ideas in there, and some important ones probably. The only the only tiny disclaimer I'll say is I think this is one hundred percent a movie for kids, which is a shortcoming because Pixar again not to continually reference them, but other studios too they've proven that you can make movies that are aimed at kids but that adults will enjoy. And adults will condone and be like, yeah, I want my kid to watch that because it's got a good message and it's a good story and it's got heart. And this is just kind of like a, it's, it's almost like a mean temper tantrum and it's written by like an angry guy just well, that, keyboard warrioring Disney live action, doesn't like pollution. Disney live action just did that movie a couple months ago. 
with Cinderella. Yeah. I mean, it works for it works on both levels too, except for that yeast joke. <laughs> that was disgusting. <laughs> I still haven't seen that, but I've heard it's good. It's good. It's really good. And that was what was such a bummer because uh, this has none of that magic in it. To me, it just it's so it's, weird. It's very preachy when mm-hmm. it decides to get to the message, and it doesn't like Wally. Take Wally. Very, it conveyed all the things this movie wanted to convey, but it did it. It did it well, and with, with a delicate hand. And it also told a great story. This movie's just really angry sometimes, and it doesn't make sense the rest of the time. <laughs> there are just vacuous plot holes in this movie. Alex, <laughs> I probably liked the movie the most out of the group, but even that, I didn't love it. It was. A pretty big disappointment for me, and I don't want to beat a dead horse, but uh, you know, I thought it looked pretty at some times, and I thought like the younger leads did a good job with what they were given, and I had fun with Keegan Michael Key and Catherine Hahn. Yeah, he was he was the one actor who actually felt natural yeah. when he showed up. Yeah. He... I even liked I liked the the like uh, the the uh, the mysterious FBI type guys. That oh, look, that was just, really funny. Just had like radiant smiles on their faces at all. Like I. I liked a lot of the ideas that were in this movie, as you said, Nick, but they're just, when they try to bring them to fruition, it just didn't quite all come together. Have either of you seen Flight of the Navigator? It's been a long, a long time. Yeah, like when I was a kid. To me, I feel like this movie, like if I had seen this movie when I was younger, I feel like I would look back at it fondly like I'd do something like Flight of the Navigator. No, and I I would that. be more forgiving of, of, of its heavy-handedness and, and its unfaltering optimism and things like that because of the fact that it was something that I was kind of privy to as a kid instead of seeing it now when I'm more jaded and the the social commentary wouldn't go over my head or isn't something that I'm like not completely aware of right now. I think it could have worked better when I was younger. The only, the only thing, because I thought the same thing. I went this kind of reminds me of like a Sunday afternoon magical world of Disney or whatever it was called, yeah. like Swiss Family Robinson. These movies that aren't really that, but even those moved at a flight of the navigator. Navigator at least moved at a brisker pace no, than that's, this. Yeah, this. No. <laughs> the pacing in this movie is terrible. Yeah, it's, and I think I would be bored with this as a kid. I think. That's that's absolutely totally yeah. valid. Yeah. I totally agree. But but speaking from the other points of like, you know. The the social commentary and 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 how people are behaving and the, like motivations behind the movie and even some of the effects and things like that I feel like they would be more effective to me if I were younger. Okay. But the 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 pacing is like this movie. Well, it didn't help that Nick said that the movie was an hour forty seven beforehand before before the movie and I and I was like I looked at my watch during it and I was like this movie's it's been it's way no it's still it's longer <laughs> hey, than that that's just what Rotten Tomatoes no 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 me. and I know sometimes that that gets I don't I don't blame you for my lack of enjoyment that of was the movie. a full half hour off what the <laughs> hell so that might have made the pacing seem worse than it actually oh was. I thought the same thing I was like this movie should be over but the, yeah but the <laughs> mo- but the pacing is bad regardless of what you thought the the runtime was so um you know the and the thing is you said. You said if you were younger, things like the the unbridled optimism reminds me of Seinfeld. Uh, I, I think that's a good quality of the movie. I don't think that's one of the things that's wrong with it at all. I don't think that's a bad thing to be like to have a movie that's like. But I think it feeds into the naivete. Of yeah, the movie. like I think I think you would divorce those two a little more, and you wouldn't care about the naivete if you were a naive young kid. 
So to me, that's why I think it would be more effective. I think the movie seems naive because of how optimistic it is at times. Mm-hmm. I don't think optimism is a bad thing. I think it's good to to have on film, despite being the guy that wants to see Gem and the Holograms where she loses her bandmates and then needs a hologram <laughs> system to make them. But I I think that optimism feeds into how naive the movie seems. Mad Max is, at the end of the day, a pretty optimistic movie yeah. in a way. What do you mean by the naivety of the movie? Just the idea, like, the, what what Tim was bringing up with the Hugh Laurie monologue of, like, people are hungry and fat okay. at the same time. How is it, like, that wouldn't seem so childish if, like, the rest of it was so, like, and, and not, like, that that line. That's why that stuck with me. Is, is really naive. It's just, like, really dumb. And the fact that the, like, oh, well, we can fix all of that and we should be able to fix all of that and that kind of thing. I see, I, think, I see makes like the optimism of that makes it seem even more naive to me okay i see what you're saying but i like and i in a way i i don't hate its optimism i don't want no because i like it but it just when you also bring it up like they do and then don't provide any answers they just kind of go well why aren't we fixing it what do we do and then it just seems kind of smug (laughs) yeah too yeah and that's kind of off-putting as well hmm Okay, interesting. I didn't think of it that way at all. I just thought to think of it as bad writing, not not any fault of the movie other than just this. the right. The writing's bad too. Like, I think I think the movie. I think I think the movie's broken on such a much more fundamental level than that. Like it's just it's just terrible words put it put into a good act. It's 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 no, Star Wars. Uh, it's Star Wars prequels. Like it's good actors saying it's a Jason just Bateman film. Terrible things. Bad words. Yeah. Uh, Whatever. <laughs> any any final non spoiler slash spoily thoughts? <laughs> no, don't go see it. Don't don't go to the theater to see this movie. You you will benefit in no way from like the big screen unless you have little kids that haven't seen all the other movies that do this better. What honestly? Watch the Iron Giant. Yeah, yeah. It's way it's a way better version of the ending of this movie. Like the ending of this movie is the same as the ending of the Iron Giant, and yeah. that movie's way better. I don't know. I don't know how much we do. You guys think we need spoiler Terry? Should we? There, there's a couple little things. I you want? Okay. About. Yeah. Okay. I did want to say there's an Iron Giant action figure behind the counter, like a really big one at the at the nerd shop, and that is which a, one? The which figure? Oh, in the movie. The nerd shop in the oh, movie. Oh, oh, I thought you movie. meant the nerd shop like around here. I was no, like, no, 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 no. There's a few of them in the movie. It's there, and it was made by Mondo, the guys that make all oh, the vinyls wow. and the posters that are by. And they like they had a video on their website, and they sent one of the prototypes to Brad Bird, and Brad Bird's looking at it, he's like, "This is amazing." He's like, "I'm so happy that you guys made this, and yeah. look at all these little details." And it's a really instant, like it's a three hundred dollar action figure, but I thought it was cool that he had it in the in the shop. That is cool. That's so, such a good movie. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, watch the Iron Giant or Flight of the Navigator. <laughs> Don't go see Tomorrowland. Explorers <laughs> with the child Ethan Hawke. Explorer is directed by the great Joe Dante, if I recall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think so. I've never seen it. No? No. It's pretty good. It was pretty good. I don't know about now. <laughs> this would be a good experiment, actually. Maybe yeah. if you know you go in having never seen it. It's weird. This really makes me want to... I really want to find a copy of Flight of the Navigator. I feel like it's on Blu-ray now. Probably. I'd like to watch it again. See how I feel about it. 
And yeah. I might watch it and be like, wow, this has nothing to do with Tomorrowland. <laughs> <laughs> Could be really true. Yeah, I wanted to start to say, like, I would just show my kid the Goonies, but I'm like, that has nothing to do with environmentalism or whatever, but screw it. It's still a good movie. Well, it's like, why the hell are you telling kids about environmentalism anyway? Not that, you know, I mean, tell, teach them that in school, but. but if they get around to it. Yeah. Uh, like I said, You're not I th- too busy th- telling him to not have sex. I think there's movies that are that <laughs> don't have sex. Looking at you, Kentucky. I don't know. Whatever. Tell, sorry, tell sorry, tell everybody stop, who lives in Kentucky. Tell these kids to stop having sex, too. <laughs> especially with George Clooney. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. What the hell? <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Pause for edit. I know. <laughs> There's no editing this one. I'm trying. To, this is me sitting here trying to think of how I can edit out the spoiler that I revealed, and then wondering if I really care enough. No, I don't think it matters. <laughs> I think it's pretty obvious. I thought so too. I was thinking it the whole time, but yeah, this right. movie's not that. It's not that sly with how it handles these kind of Fair things. Enough. All right. Well, we'll move into spoiler Terry real quick. So we'll be right back after this. Spoiler Terry Four, Tomorrowland. Nick. Yep. What were you thinking when when I asked you? <laughs> what, what what were the things you were thinking about? When um, I was thinking about how I was really disappointed in what they chose to do with the Hugh Laurie character, mm. because early on I was thinking, okay, that guy's a bad guy, and then it seemed like kind of like maybe he's not a bad guy. He's just out of the Strict. loop mm. with what's going on. Mm. And then they just went ahead and made him a bad guy anyway. And I I really am hesitant to use the term, like, Disney villain. But that's kind of what he was. He was just a bad guy to have a bad guy, to have, like, a opposite George Clooney. I don't even think he was that. I like, think he's so f- hollow. There's and- no, But there's no reason for that character to have done that. Like, there's no motivation. He's supposed to be a scientist mm-hmm. who's part of this magical pocket dimension utopia that is concerned with saving Earth. And I think any scientist worth his salt, no matter how power mad he had gone, if he saw that percentage drip dip, just that those few ticks, he would have gone. <laughs> he got really excited and been like, "Oh my god, let's do some tests. Let's figure this out. Like, cool, we can we can save something." And the movie seemed like it really wanted to present like scientists and like that passion that drives them in a really nice, accessible way, because those kind of people in real life, the Teslas, the Edisons, the you know, those guys, I don't think they were very, like, r- relatable or, like, people that people could like and get along with. Yeah. So to try to put, you know, charming, fun George Clooney as, like, this scientist guy, I was like, cool. And then they make him into a weird, like, techno pedophile <laughs> and then have this somewhat likable teenage girl character who's also infused with this desire to, like, be a scientist. Like, that was cool to me as a kid who grew up. Loving science and doing science experiments. And that. I was like, I really like these characters. You should have won me on that movie with that alone. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. And just quick side note, the kid who plays young George Clooney is dreadful. <laughs> He's so bad. I thought all of his lines oh, were yeah. just the most wooden, horrible <laughs> delivery. I was like, where the who? The, what, what do you got this kid for? I think they just did the Tron thing to George Clooney. Because he vaguely looks a little 11. bit like George Clooney, like <laughs> in the in the most minimal way. Like, just yeah. cast a kid who can actually act, and let's get this thing on the road. I mean, that kid shouldn't have even been in the movie, really, except maybe in, like, a hologram to, like... This movie could have been so much better. But 
the Hugh Laurie, I mean, there didn't need to be this villain. Couldn't, like, just mankind as a whole be kind of the blanket bad guy and just not even bad guy, just, like, kind of ignorant and forgetting, you know, the the desire, kind of like the message in Interstellar. Like, we've forgotten the desire to, to be explorers and that kind of thing. Just something like that. Explorers you didn't need this guy who was going to devolve into a caricature, even down to, like, the golden-eyed Sean Bean death of the satellite falling and him going, oh, bollocks. I was like, oh, I just wanted to throw popcorn and be like, this is terrible. Why didn't that character go, no way. You guys actually think you have a solution? Come on. Come on down to the lab. Let's work on this thing together. Like, that would have been way more compelling to me. Yeah. And I know that, like, good versus evil is kind of a fundamental thing in, like, all movies. All stories need it. But in this movie, I really didn't want it. Yeah. And why was he dispatching robots to stop them? Why does he have robots? (laughs) Why are they smiling all the time? Like there's, there's so much in this movie that's just confusing and 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 doesn't make any sense. Why 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 did George Clooney have to? Why, why was there an entire sequence of the Eiffel Tower shooting into space just to come back down to go another dimension? Why the why the fuck was that even in the movie? <laughs> it wasn't cool. It didn't make any sense. All it did was raise more questions. Damon Lindelof, and just make me wonder what the hell's the backstory going on here. <laughs> Like, if Damon Lindelof was to ever, like, knit something, it would just be just be yarn everywhere with just threads and never coming together in any way. <laughs> just, what a, what a mess. Why? Why? Like, if, if I was to go, if you were to watch Tomorrowland, and I was like, S- explain the plot of Tomorrowland to me in, like, one or two sentences, you, it's impossible. You wouldn't be able to do it. Yeah, and then, well, the say, IMDb well, synopsis alone, it's like, mm. Yeah, did you read it? Yeah. I uh, See, I wasn't even listening. It's, yep. just, it's that much. Just <laughs> It could be in wingdings. That's how much you can't sum it up. Oh, yeah. I think that's but, what the script was. Right <laughs> like, like, like Mad Max, you could, you could sum up that movie in a sentence or two. Yeah. And I think people are really responding to, like, a simpler movie. Well, yeah, and, that, and there was an article today on Reddit that was comparing that and John Wick and being like, is this what we're headed towards of, like, very simplified... Real movies that are... Yeah. I, was, I mean, it's kind of the way... It's a, it's, an, it's a way to make an effective movie. <laughs> right? <laughs> it starts it's by making end, a movie. It <laughs> goes point A to point B, and it's not just this ridiculous... Convoluted. Oh, it's so convoluted. Fuck you, Christopher Nolan. I don't know. Even his, <laughs> you, even his movies, like... They they might be a little bit convoluted for some people, but at least they resolve in a way that is, is satisfying <laughs> for the most part. Like, yeah. No, I've that whole sequence in this movie. I was just like, "What the fuck is going on? Yeah. Why am I here right now in this theater watching this?" It was just blew my mind. <laughs> what What did you want to say, Tim? Oh, I don't really have anything. I I, I yeah. I wanted to say that I did really like I I, I told. You guys afterwards, I kind of like the Hugh Laurie monologue because to me, I feel like a lot of those topics need to be put on that really childish level for most people to understand them. <laughs> so I think that was cool and effective. It, and it almost was so bad that it like went down the other side of the range and came back up. And I was like, all right. Like by the end of it, I was at the start. I was like, God, this is way like it's way too on the note. Mm, no, it's still on. No. It, it didn't bother all me. Right. This is a lot of fun, actually. He's really being pretty dumb about all this. It's working out okay. If, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, like, I can't explain why I liked it. That I totally much, see but. what you're saying because it reminded me of Mugatu's meltdown at the end of Zoolander. <laughs> where he goes, "It's the same face," and he's freaking out. Yeah. It, well, it's kind of, it, it kind of yeah because it makes sense. It, he makes sense, and he's just fed up. Yeah. And I kind of liked that too. Yeah. But it's also like, quit being a dick. Yeah. <laughs> it was just. It was disappointing because. The movie should have committed in any direction, really. But if it had been way more kid-friendly and childlike, then I would have bought it. Because I would have been yeah. like, okay, this guy's kind of a cartoony, like, 
villain who's getting really worked up. But then it tried to like bring it in and make it more serious towards the end. And I was kind of like, okay, so this isn't really a kid's movie. Like the opening scene is a kid sneaking onto a ride, transporting to the future and flying around in a jetpack. Like I was like, okay, it's a kid's movie. Cool. And then it just starts dealing with all this other like heavier stuff. And then it kind of wiggles back that way and then comes back this way. And then they're in the Eiffel Tower flying into space. <laughs> and it's just all over the place. Yeah. It's not consistent in tone at all. And it gets kind of really dark for a while. And you see these like earth, scorched earth and all this stuff about how mankind is just ruining the planet. And then that rant, I just had it at this point. I was like, this this is the whole reason he wrote this movie was to have this one scene of just like, meh, 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 like whining behind his typewriter. Keyboard warrior oh environmentalist. Oh my gosh, it was so bad. It, it seriously sounded like a Reddit rant. It was just, <laughs> it was that unpolished and just, ugh. But what the hell, man? Um, I... Can talk about. I really liked. There were a few little mechanics that I liked, like when, as they're ascending the the their way into the whatever the fuck it's called. Because I don't know. Because right, what? what name anything in this movie? What it is? I don't know. <laughs> exactly. But the the the, the, the when Hulor's like, oh, it's a tachyons. That part I enjoyed, mm. like because you could see there's like this time shuddering effect of them being able to see slightly into the future, and then at the end of the movie, it gets kind of. She uses it in order to figure out how to turn it on right. and things like that. I enjoyed that. And I was like, let's put this in something else and make it cool. And That matter. was kind of cool. Yeah. The the scene in George Clooney's booby-trapped house was the only scene where I kind of smiled. Yeah. Like, that was kind of fun to watch. That was and, cool. Uh, it, was, it was neat to watch him move through his house and be like, okay, this guy's like a weirdo hermit, but he's got a pretty cool ultimate Home Alone pad. <laughs> he's giant Kevin McAllister. Yeah. Um, there was, there was one other thing that was cool. Oh, the, the actual visual of her touching the pin oh. was neat, but then I got really aggravated right away because I was like, why does she bump into things if she's not actually here? Yeah, that yeah. bothered me so much. And why was the final <laughs> shot of the movie not all these people in the field and then immediately just bonking into everything <laughs> yeah, and falling over? Exactly. Like, why were all these people in like corners of the world somehow in the same area? You set up a rule in the movie. Don't Why introduce that rule at all? Yeah. Like, that was like so it, bizarre like, to I me. I think it's just, I think, honestly, that's, uh, oh, these kids are going to laugh when the, when the people knock in. <laughs> but it doesn't work Especially at all. if the whole thing's a commercial. Like, he's like, okay, what you saw was a commercial. Then that, in a way, makes sense if you're not actually being transported there. Like, okay, you're touching this pin and you're seeing something that's not there, but... But you need to move around Why are you able to traverse to the world? Yeah. yeah it's it, it was just... I did want to talk about that, though, because the first time she is, like, when she drive, when she rides her bike out to that open field and, and like, witnesses the full commercial, that was cool because it was all one take. A lot of it was effects and hidden. Sure, but that was kind of... But I thought that was, yeah. that was interesting. Like, the fact that the commercial was all one gigantic take stitched together in different areas i thought it was interestingly done and that, that was, was neat that was sweet and a lot yeah. of the like almost dr seussian designs were really cool with like the four pools on each other oh i love guys that. Like, i love yeah. through it yeah. reminded me a lot of like you would read a lot of the weirder dr seuss books like um like the sleep book and that and they have all these really lush worlds with like weird architecture and weird little mechanics that the little critters in them are using it. Kind of reminded me of that. And I don't that, know these deep cut Dr. Seuss oh, books. Oh man, get on it! Well, apparently, so I don't like reading though. Is there an audiobook of it? <laughs> <laughs> Hop on pop, <laughs> as read by Brian Cranston. <laughs> um, it's eight minutes long. Uh, 
I like there, the, there was some merit to, to some of the design and some, yeah. of, some of the effects in this movie, for sure. I like the gigantic 3D printer dude that was, like, spiraling upwards and making things and then, like, and making the struts. Like, I like the way that a lot of the world unfolded, but like you said, it doesn't feel like there's people in this world... Like the like unless except for that like commercial, it just feels like a yeah, really like, where are they? empty world. Like it's supposed to be this. Okay, what so, so what? So Earth is hypothetically Earth is dying. Okay, but there's supposed to be this place where the best and brightest have been coming for like presumably decades. Mm-hmm. Where are all of them? Yeah, why are there all robots there? There's nothing about well, and it. Like, like it was supposed to be kind of abandoned because of the machine got made that showed the destruction of the world. Like, I don't, I can't even try to yeah, explain this okay, to you because so, it's so... So was that the thing that George Clooney invented that kicked him out? Yes. Was the machine. Yes. That said, That's my impression of it, was that Clooney invented the, the I want to call it the infinite probability thing from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. But So the, your your theory is that people on this world were working and creating amazing things and they said oh i'm gonna they're, die in 20 were, years well i'm out of here i'm gonna go do coke and well not only horse. that but like the like i think they were interfacing with the government and the government saw that and was like we can't like i don't know like it was like a the world's gonna end we can't do anything with this it was weird it doesn't make sense because i like i can't rectify it yeah like why was george Clooney kicked out i i still don't know is that what he i mean it seemed implied that's what he invented but if he's capable of inventing something so incredibly improbable, why kick him out? Clearly, he's a genius, especially if he's still a little fat kid. Like it doesn't. I don't know. It doesn't. I think we're questioning motivations of something that's broken on a fundamental level, like you said, and mm-hmm. it just doesn't. It's going to be talking in circles. <sighs> it's too bad. Yeah. I, hate, I hate episodes like this where I just rant and complain about something. No, but... I mean I think a lot of the stuff that we said is worth saying, but it's just a shame. Like that, there, totally. there's a lot of promise in this in this movie, and a lot of a, there is talent behind it for sure. Yeah. So, Tim, what did you like about it? There's got to be some things. That no, I I about. liked the. Uh, I mean, there were parts that I liked, but um, I liked the uh, nerd store. Yeah. I liked that sequence a lot. I thought that was a lot. I liked of fun. that sequence a lot until they were bad guys, and then I was like, man, yeah. <laughs> you had these two like f- actually fun characters. Just let them be. But even that was weird because a lot of the little references they threw in were to movies that were nothing like hmm. the science fiction that they <laughs> were talking. And and just the science. I mean, the science fiction that this movie is nostalgic for. I mean, Tomorrowland almost it comes across, it comes across like this weird police state where everybody just dresses the same and it's only listens to Hugh Laurie. He, he listens to Hugh. There's no regular. It's only. <clears throat> It's only the special ones, basically, that are involved. It's it's such a... I just don't like baby boomers sometimes. <laughs> Fair enough. And that's kind of how I felt during this. I don't like millennials, either. I really just like movies made by, like, Gen X kids. <laughs> <laughs> they got it right. I'm looking Fair forward enough. to the, like, socio-generational <laughs> article by Tim. <laughs> well, it sounds like that... Um. That Ben Stiller um, movie's kind of like that. While we're young? Yeah. There's kind of a, a kind of a Gen X versus millennial thing. ish Okay. A little bit. Kind of. It's more like baby boomer. Baby boom. Well, yeah, it's like a little bit of a baby. I don't know. It's weird. Okay. But not totally the point. <laughs> so that's all I have to Still say. Still not sure what the point of this movie is. So it could be. They could be the same. 
Well, you could write in and let us know what you think the point of this movie was. Feedback at MidwestFilmNerds.com is where you can do that. MidwestFilmNerds.com has all previous 128 plus bonus episodes plus full show notes in order to let you skip through the things that you don't want to see, like Spoiler Terry. At uh, MFN Podcast on Instagram and Twitter, Midwest Film Nerds Podcast on Facebook and Vine and iTunes. And uh, Amazon.MidwestPodcastNetwork.com is where you can go to do your Amazon shopping and have part of your purchase come to us to no cost to you other than what you were going to pay anyway. And that'll help us make the show and other things better. Next week, we're figuring out what we're doing. I know San Andreas is coming out. We might also get a chance to watch The Primary Instinct, which is David Chen's directorial debut starring Stephen Tobolowsky, friend of the Midwest Film Nerds podcast. So we'll figure something out. I think I'd like to do both of those, but if we do one as a bonus episode and one as a normal one or something like that, we'll figure it out. Uh, congratulations, William and Nikki. Yeah. Yeah. The first Shit. married couple on the Midwest, Midwest Podcast Network and the Midwest Film News Podcast. Uh, that was literally the first thing on my mind when we started the episode. Yeah, I, I meant to say something at the top, so they'll never hear this, but I don't know. Congratulations, guys. Congratulations. Yeah. You, if you're listening to this, you should comment on the Facebook or something and say congratulations to them because yes. they would like it. And Yoop, thank you very much for the message. I didn't actually get played at the wedding, so I apologize. But it was a pretty full slate that day. Though. Yeah, there was, there was a lot, a lot going, going on. But but I know both of them appreciated the message very much. So thank you. Uh, I think that's about it. Anything else? Will Will San Andreas handle the end of the world better than Tomorrowland? Maybe. Sure, I hope so. Yeah. Let's see, there it is. It's just in the rock on an island with a bunch of women repopulating. The earth. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say the rock on an island with a bunch of scientists, just, <laughs> just figuring it out. Yeah. <laughs> rock, there's a 9.9 earthquake coming. I'm gonna go wrestle that some bitch. The rock is like, what if I stand at the bottom of the sea and push the tectonic plates apart? What if he rock from- bottoms on the other side of the planet, the exact <laughs> oh other side? <gasps> the rock should be race banning. What if they? <laughs> What if they clone the rock so that it could be in both places at once? Like the world machine from fucking... From <laughs> Man of Steel? <laughs> the rock is just rock-bottoming the earth. Oh, All right, it's getting hot in here. They probably have to do it at the exact same time, and it sends a wave to the... No, that would make the earth explode. <laughs> but that's what we need to do. We need to start over. True. It's true. Hugh, just the rock. Hugh Laurie and, would say so. And Carlo G- Gugino. Gugino? And Alexander Daddario. Yeah. Yes. Okay, Kyle XY, go watch a movie. Mm-hmm.